You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. September is National Suicide Prevention Month. Unfortunately, suicide is a very real issue for the Asian American community. According to the Office of Minority Health, in 2017, the leading cause of death in young Asian Americans in the U.S. was suicide. My guest on this episode of Talking Taiwan is passionate about promoting emotional wellness and a prevention model for mental health. Dr. Eunice Yuan is a child and adult psychiatrist who specializes in Asian American mental health. She sat down to speak with me about the stigma of mental health and how important it is to be mindful of emotional wellness before it becomes a mental health issue. Dr. Yuan is working on an innovative tool called Chat Together that helps to resolve conflicts between Asian American parents and children. More than ever, tools like Chat Together are useful to address heightened child-parent conflicts during COVID-19 and discussions about racism. Please note that any of the advice or content shared in this episode is not meant to be taken as medical advice or psychiatric treatment. My guest on today's episode of Talking Taiwan is Dr. Eunice Chen. She's a child psychiatrist who specializes in Asian American mental health. And she's developed something called CHAT, which we're going to talk about how that works. Welcome to the podcast, Eunice. Oh, wow. Thank you so much, Felicia, for inviting me. It is such an honor to be on Talking Taiwan. So tell me about how you chose to enter the field of child and adult psychiatry and your special interest in promoting emotional wellness in the Asian American community. Yeah, yeah, it is such a long story. I mean, like, I guess like many of us who are passionate to do something kind of like really based on who we are. Um, so I was an international student from Hong Kong and my husband from Taiwan. That's how we met at college. And as a minority Asians and women and who really experienced quite a few visible and invisible microaggression or bias, if you want to call them. Since I came to the state and, um, you know, also struggle with cultural, racial identity. And now I am a mother of two Asian American born son. And I realized that, like, I'm not alone. Like, this is like this cross-cultural challenges. And I, I see that in many people who have similar background like me. And I want to unite people who share my struggle. I want to create a program and to support the group in the community. And I think that being um, a physician can give me the voice and power, but also responsibility to help to make changes in the society. Um, I guess like one thing very interesting to share is that like I noticed that it's such a big gap from um, Asian American for them to reach out to mental health services. Um, oftentimes, really in the context of culturally related reasons, either uh, they could be reluctant to reach out or there's not enough Asian clinician to understand them better, like, or there is a, a lack of culturally oriented mental health program, which is really common in many places in the country. And, you know, I realize the mental health carry a lot of stigma. So we are not talking about how like we have a cough, we have a fever, which is easily shared to everyone. We're talking about feelings, depression or suicide that we they carry a lot of stigma and especially in minority population. And so that I think it is a stigma that limit people to reach out and access to mental health services. 
Um, so, so say for example, um, I see patient and they are Asian American student who, who really did not reach out for help until it is really late. It is not uncommon to hear that like student, Asian student commit a suicide from Ivy League college. Many people have no idea, no clue of what is going on for them. And, but that is seemingly become too late. That may lead to psychiatric emergency or even inpatient admission. So I want to make a movement here that like mental health can be presented as um, a prevention model or public health model such that like uh, we can go to see a primary care doctor to get an annual physical checkup or like um, how, do we, how do we translate that similar model to mental health? Can we take care of ourselves, meaning mindful of our emotional wellness to take care of ourselves before they become mental illness? especially for teenager, for young adult, which is the time which is most of the mental illness are started at that age. So I think that is a passion and, um, and um, what really drive me into want to serve in this community. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much for that. Um, yeah, I think I had heard some statistics like there's a very low percentage of um, Asian, Asian Americans that actually seek mental health um help but um, on the other hand there's a very high rate of suicide so it tells you there's some kind of disconnect there as you mentioned um, yeah. that that suicide is a real problem so thank you for that um, well and I'm wondering if you could tell my listeners what is the difference between emotional well-being and a mental health issue what would you say is the difference yeah, yeah. I guess I like, related to uh, what we talk about, like emotional well-being would be like really in the prevention concept, while um, mental health issue is something like that already impacts your daily functions or relationship. And really at the stage that that's time for, for us to reach out for professional help. And really my goal um, here would be my, my uh, motivation would be really to build emotional resilience for for people to face everyday stressful challenges. How do we be stronger against the vulnerable vulnerability to mental health issue? And then many ways actually can promote emotional well-being. Uh, usually I uh, recommend my patient to be, could be something like as simple as paying attention to our daily routine, like uh, providing a structure and routine which is really needed nowadays in the pandemic such as eating healthy food that can nurture our brain health, having a good quality of sleep-wake cycle, like go to bed and wake up at the same time every day, or having personal time to really take care of ourselves to relax, um, spend good social time with our friends and family. So these are some things like really maintain a prevention model of emotional wellness. What is the degree of difference between emotional well-being and mental health? Because you said that mental health is something that will actually impact you. But I think that in some cases, like, there are things in your life that affect your emotional well-being that also, like, seem like a problem that impact you. So how do you distinguish? It seems like a fine line, like, what is the tipping point when it's a mental health issue that is something that you need professional help with? And related to that, how can someone self-diagnose that? Because that's probably the first step for somebody to realize that they're getting into something that's a mental health issue and that they need to seek help. How can somebody determine that for themselves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a great question. Like, um, 
I think like we raise the awareness of like like I mentioned, if it really like tip into that impacting the way how say like how you pay attention, how you sleep, and to the way that you cannot function, it impacts like for for children and teenagers what impact the school grade the, uh, or work performance for adults, and that would be definitely the time to reach out for help. Um, one thing though, like I think it's really like culturally relevant. Like for example, I noticed like many of my Asian American patients, the way how say for example would present, um, for example depression, the way we present is really different from the textbook depression. Um, say we may be less complaining about our emotion or feeling sad. We may feeling like more like physical symptoms. Like uh, when we are anxious, we express that in a way like um, getting stomach ache, diarrhea, or headache, and like routinely without and without much uh, physical reasons. Like there's no way to find out what it is, um, and that usually we present it like that. And sometimes, like um, some of the teenager, Asian teenager, they they clearly already uh, meeting criteria of depression, clinical depression, but the, the functionality is not affected by other ethnicity, which is very interesting. And I think like we should be keeping the radar on our mind, how to take care of ourselves, and also give ourselves a permission that it is okay to reach out for help, especially stigma is such an important component in our society to, uh, for us to reach out to help. Great. Thank you for that. What should you do if you think that someone else that you know, whether it's a friend, a family member, is in need of help with a mental health issue? How do you address that? How would you approach them? Yeah, yeah. This is something I also come across uh, with friends and family, right? Um, I would say like, um, sorry, let me see. Um, I would say Oftentimes, no, sorry, I, I think I'm working on this. I would say it depends on um, if it is addressing the safety issue should be the first priority. If we know that our friends or family are struggling from a mental health issue and he or she may be in imminent risk of self-harm or harm to others, those are the time is safety number one, right? That would be the time for crisis hotline, emergency services. It's the definite way to go. If safety is not the major issue, then perhaps like we really need to sit down to have a sincere conversation with the individual. Um, as I mentioned, like stigma is one of the way that really the, the barrier for this individual to reach out for help maybe he or she just needs someone to be listened, to understand or validate. It is okay to ask for help. I would recommend to sit down with this individual, try to understand and support what is in the way, what is in the way to reach out to see someone for help, to see counseling or to see a psychiatrist. Like um, maybe join the first appointment, like uh, bring your friend and bring your family member to go along and provide support. And often, oftentimes, like information would be helpful. Uh, what is that like to be seeing a therapist? For many Asian, Asian American, maybe the first time experience will provoke anxiety. What is that like sitting on a couch and talking my feelings to someone I don't know? Though? You know, like maybe information could be really helpful to tell them, hey, like it is like, um, it is a self help. 
like going to see a therapy is a self-help to understand yourself, how to feel better, you know. Um, so perhaps like a company to be there to show support would be a great way to help your friends and family. Now, I wanted to talk to you about this uh, project that you're working on called CHAT. Um, can you first tell us what CHAT stands for? I believe it's an acronym. And where did the idea come from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So CHAT, CHAT together. So like, um, so C-H-A-T, um, Compassion at Home, Action Together. So the action, it, uh, it means acting. So we combine acting, drama, vignette as a way to promote emotional wellness, especially for Asian American community. And we collaborate with a group called uh, Stanford Chi Pao. Um, so it has a long name, but we, we started collaborating with them. Chi Pao stands for Communication, Health, Interactive for Parents of adolescents and others. So they are based at Stanford University. So we both use drama vignette as an educational tool to promote wellness in Asian parents and children. We are a group of students, clinicians, psychiatrists, and colleagues who are very compassionate to help our Asian American population. We know that um, it is very difficult for Asians to talk about mental health, as we all know. And, you know, as I mentioned, a lot of like stigma, shame, and not to mention like to talk within your household, your family, or even talk about um, in, in the public, um, in, in the context of, you know, a lot of cross-cultural conflict and communication, talking about mental health could be even harder. So our mission of a group is really to use simple story, narrative, a skit, to translate challenging mental health issues into our everyday conversation. So really a way to break the stigma of mental health. Great. Um, and can you talk a little bit about how it was created and developed? Like what kind of research went into it and what theories or research is it based on? Yeah, I'm learning about that too. That's interesting. So um, this is like uh, based on one of the most important uh, Brazilian theater director called Augusto Ball. Um, he published a paper in 1980s called Theater of the Oppressed. Um, he suggested that theater as a way is really a rehearsal of live event that is being oppressed. So in our case, in our chat together case, would be mental health in Asian community. is really oppressed that it's a challenging taboo to discuss in public or even with your children at home. So um, just like, for example, we are watching a movie the audience will project into the character scene on the stage. And so the concept will be helping the audience to co-construct the knowledge, to create awareness, um, stimulate reflections, or make us thinking about what is this in my shoes in the scene, uh, to also, more importantly, to prepare them making changes and action in the real life. Um, so if we are adapting this theory, um, the chat together, we have members uh, to create skits. So they are students, they have like their Asian student, they have experience like really based on their personal narrative that uh, features about Asian child parents conflict. And we call it problematic scenario or we'll make a skit out of this. And so far we have skit that resolve around uh, COVID-19, like cabin fever, uh, talking about race in Asian family, what is that like? 
or like LGBTQ coming out in Asian family, uh, also talking about depression and suicide, this difficult topic. How do they carry out a conversation with parents? And we call that problematic scenario that usually end up a really catastrophic argument or some sort of awkward silence that like really result in a limited understanding or communication skill between the child and parents. And so we'll make this into a video. And then uh, myself as the moderator, I will come out to uh, process the feeling and reflect with the actors who act as a child and act as the parents. So what can be changed in the communication so we don't need to yell at each other for this sensitive topic. So we learn from that and we, we do the, the react the same skit again using new approach and we lead to an alternative outcome. We call that alternative scenario. And, and we make the whole skit become a video and we provide teaching point material, translate that into different uh, Asian languages, um, Chinese, including Mandarin, Cantonese, and, and Korean. So like uh, we make that into a public education material to share to the community. So we have um, the website that uh, I'm going to share that with everyone with, the, with uh, Talking Taiwan Podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, we have Facebook page and also YouTube link that like po posted all our videos and, and flashcard public education material there. Yeah, I can't believe it. Um, and I would also want to ask who is chat for and what ages is chat appropriate for? Because it may not be appropriate for all ages of kids um, or all families. Right. Uh, so right now, um, our target audience are mostly um, Asian, Asian American teens and parents. Uh, we do have a plan to expand to younger children. And of course, like the skit material will be more age appropriate to that target population. But uh, for now, it's teens, young adults and parents. Wonderful. And um, how has chat benefited families and communities? Like what kind of feedback have you received on it so far? Right. Um, so we, I think chat together, like we create a safe space, especially for, um, you know, for Asian children and parents really to speak on something very challenging topic and related to the emotional wellness and the relationship. Uh, one key concept we try to focus here is called mentalization. Uh, really is the way that how do we stay attuned to each other emotional state when we talk to each other how do we speak in a curious and non-judgmental way and trying to understand what the other side are coming from um so we we demonstrate a skill from our skit so to parents for example this concept what means like think about how your children at this point like hey like we are COVID reopening what can we think of in the shoes your teenager children, what does that feel like for COVID reopening? They may be confused about applying college application. They may be really stressing out about wearing masks and peer pressure, all sorts of questions at their age. And um, they may worry about school in the mix of all this uncertainty and, and channel their worry to, you know, doing something silly, maybe like playing video game or doing something that does not seem productive to the parents. But it would just focus on the behavior, that would be the trigger to conflict immediately, right? But if we can rewind and think about in the shoes, 
So that will be really helpful to solve the, the conflict. Or on the other side, for children and, and teenagers, we promote that mentalization. Try to think in the shoes of your parents, right? Like thinking about parents could be very challenging at this pandemic, like working remotely while homeschooling is really crazy task. Maybe they channel the stress to, um, you know, the way they may seem very impatient or controlling to you. Um, in, you know, like, so, so again, like if we focus at the behavior, we will immediately trigger the conflict. But again, like, how do we help the teenager and children to sink into the shoes of the parents? So I'll chat together are promoting this concept and through the skit and, uh, and the videos. And I wonder how long has uh, Chat Together been around? How long have you been um, sharing these videos? Uh, we have been around like before we have the name Chat Together. Uh, we we have this concept like in person on stage rather than video. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have event that like in person audience that we can interact and and um and we do uh, the skit in person and after after uh, COVID nineteen we move everything to social media online and uh so so we have been like we we have been like expanding quite a lot since COVID nineteen started uh so, yeah so like so we are very excited to expand even further. Well, yeah, that actually presents a really interesting opportunity because you could reach a much wider audience, right? A much wider uh, group of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Like just to talk about our members, uh, in our chat together members, uh, we have people around different states, around United States, people from the West Coast, people from the East Coast, and even people from um, uh, Taiwan. Oh, yeah, we have one Taiwanese student, uh, people from Hong Kong, from the other side of Asia. So like, um, yeah, we are expanding uh, quite a bit. What is this uh, chat together community? How, how does somebody join? Oh, really? We just like passion based. If you like reach out to me or like reach out to our website, like we we um welcome any skit idea. Um, anyone who are interested in acting or interested to join our group and contribute in any way. So we're more like in a co op um uh, model here. So everyone chip in passion based. Cool. We are welcome. Yeah. Um, and so have you heard from any of the families that have uh, watched the videos and like benefited from that or tried to reflect on their own behaviors or what's going on with their family? Yeah, we try to um, assess the um, the feasibility and also validity of this program. So we uh, carry out um, actually a study, like a qualitative study. We recruit people to do interview, really specifically asking this question. And so far, our feedback is really encouraging. Um, so we have parents like uh, responded that it is really helpful in a way to for them to talk to their children, and also that like emotional wellness, like they they are not as stressed, uh, they're not as like overwhelming during this uh, pandemic. So overall, it's just, like really positive sign and encouraging. Oh, that's great to know. Um, can you talk a little bit more about some of the practical applications of it? Um, you did mention that you have some vignettes that uh, address the stress that's brought on by the pandemic. Um, and I understand you've also used it to talk about racial tensions and discriminations because, as we know, Black Lives Matter has really been on the forefront of people's minds um, with a lot of the things that have been going on lately. Um, so how do you address things like that in the chat together? videos 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have um uh produced a series of uh videos like in really to address this topic. Um I would refer audience if they if you guys are interested, like check it out from our website, uh, from our Facebook page. Uh we do a series of like uh videos on um child parent conflict during COVID nineteen, um uh, related to Black Lives Matters in terms of uh we have a series of video talk about what do we do when we see racism happen, uh interracial relationship. Uh for example, we have like we we recently just worked on a skit on a um a teens that bring in a um African American boyfriend the first time showing the Asian parents have an awkward silence conversation and that leads to conflict and like what do we talk about it? Like um both child and parents have different concepts in terms of race and things like that. And like in a way it's really interesting but and also like very educational to learn about how do we see from each other wavelengths and, and how do we uh, talk in a uh, communicate in a better way and a compassionate way. Uh, so I will encourage people to check out our page. And another thing that you mentioned, Felicia, like how do we practically uh, dealing without stress? Like one key concept we introduced um, is that called regulating emotions. So we, we um, teach, um, introduce this concept before uh, talking into your child or before you're talking to your parents. So we have like literally bullet point what to do. So um, regulating your emotions. So we think that um, a meaningful conversation will really require a reflective state of mind so, so that we can think of each other's shoes, right? Like if we are all stressed out and overwhelmed, I don't think I can reflect. How can I thinking about in my child's shoes? Is this a difficult time for them? So I think setting up the stage is very important. Uh, we have a flashcard to introduce this topic, for example. So one is that how do we, how do we be mindful for your own mental state and also your child mental state before you go into the conversation? And we introduce this concept of the three R's, the letter R's. The first R is recognize your emotion. So say at this moment, I am very overwhelmed, I'm very angry, or maybe I'm very frustrated, I'm very sad, like whatever it is on your mind. For Asian Asian parents, I realize that like we don't get used to this topic to, to label and name our emotion. We just feel oh, stressed or overwhelmed. But it's a, a, a jumbo blob of emotion, but we don't know what it is. So the first thing is like we label the emotion. The second R will be we realize, realize where the emotion comes from. So meaning like what is the thought associated with the feelings? For example, if I feel frustrated, why do I feel frustrated? I'm frustrated because, oh, my child does not listen to me. Or I feel really guilty and shame because I, you know, I, I feel like I did not do my good job to take care of my child. So, you know, you have the thought that link to the feelings. So that's the second R. The last R will be regulate our emotion. If you know that this is the feeling, if you know where it's come from, and what do we do instantly to shake that out? Like maybe I can call a friend to talk about it. Uh, maybe I can eat a piece of cookie, take a shower, do something simple to regulate the emotion. If we can moderate our state, like this is like 
helping us to be more reflective state before we talk to a child or talk to our parents. So that is something we we help our, our parents to do that. Oh, great. So you mentioned before that there's a lot of stigma um, with mental health within the Asian American community. How do you think we can overcome the challenge of dealing with this stigma? Right. Uh, stigma. Yeah. So, yeah, I think like stigma is indeed a really great barrier um, for understanding mental health and even our emotional wellness. I think we should start small and work together. Um, you know, like that's really the whole motivation behind we form chat together. I think it is a great model to break the stigma and help Asian family to start talking about mental health in a lighthearted way, especially like learning and growing together with your children. We talk about prevention, education, and also awareness of mental health, emotional awareness. Um, and um, I think, like from from my experience, I feel like one of the prominent features of um, Asian family is that, like, as parents, we might have a very different way to express our emotion and feelings, which is quite different from your children who are born here. Um, so I guess, like, I mean, like, I, I really encourage, like, we learn the way how to, like, just what just just now how I mentioned to name and verbalize our emotion. It really is a great way to cope our feelings. And and also, like, really change the concept of, like, we tend to feel like, oh, if we don't talk about our feeling, it is the way to feeling better. But actually, it's not. We should reverse that concept. We should talk more about the feeling and process of feeling. And, you know, if you don't process the feeling, it will come out one way or the other. So I think, like, many of these concepts, we start small and grow together with our children. And, and I think like this is a more fundamental way to break the stigma. It is an okay conversation to carry in our daily life. It's a good reminder for people to just try to take time to reflect and react differently to situations in their daily lives. It all starts with one person changing and then it's a domino effect when it impacts other people. Yeah, and also like our children really need um, our pa- the parents to model like that's really how to stop the cross-generation stigma about mental health too. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, and since this is the Talking Taiwan podcast, I have to ask about your connection to Taiwan. Yeah, yeah. I am really honored and very delighted. Um, my, my dear husband is from Taiwan. He's born there and I'm from Hong Kong. Like, um, um, it is such a amazing uh, miracle connection that like me and my husband and I really want to love to learn more and you know contribute to this con- uh, this population. Um, I'm a mother of two um, um, sons that are connected to Taiwan and I would like really would really my uh, pleasure to devote to this to this communicate uh, this community. Just out of curiosity, are your sons old enough to watch the chat together videos or skits and do they understand it? Uh they're not old enough yet, but like if we are decide they are still in the young children stage. <laughs> so like, but I can see a lot of them like say uh they are mostly talking in English, they like reluctant to talk in Chinese and like I can I can see like, you know, the the cultural cross-cultural conflict there as they grow up. So this means a lot to me. And um, yeah, and also like the tie to Taiwan as well. Yeah. Right, right. Thank you.
Thank you. Um, is there anything else you'd like to let my listeners know about Chat Together or anything, any advice that you have for parents that are um, having conflicts with their kids? Um, I think like really start from step one to be open-minded. I think like I noticed like one thing uh, for Asian child-parent relationship, like underneath everyone, the child really sends the love from parents and parents sense the love from the child. They really like sometimes what is lacking is the communication style. That could be like as small as um. Uh, a tone, tonality, could be a facial expression, the way we express passion and care could be quite different in terms of like cross-cultural sense-wise. Or um, I have patients telling me that like, oh, I I have never hugged my mom in my whole entire life. Like just for example, like maybe Asian parents, like they don't, they don't really get used to expressing love by physical hugging or kissing they they like to show through from action to take to, to show care but your child may appreciate somehow different so i think like um many of the conflict is really like related to cross-cultural um, challenges and there's a way to change so like i think that's why that's the whole motivation about chat together and and i would love to have like have this movement going if anyone are interested feel free to contact and like we, we want to expand that to more and more audience who can appreciate and make changes to our children, to our next generation Asian American in this country. Yeah, you bring up a really good point because uh, the cross-cultural difference, I'm sure, adds another layer because there are, in most parent-child relationships, there's already, like, generational conflict or, you know, different kinds of conflict, but then add on the cross-cultural conflict that's different because it was probably different for you with your parents. You grew up in the same country that your parents were in, right? You didn't move to an entirely different country with a different language and different culture and different customs, right? So it presents like different challenges. And so how can people learn more about you or find you on social media? Uh, so I am on the uh, Facebook page and I am also searchable on Google. And um, so that I, I am devoted in this line of study. So I am in my um, last year of um, training in child psychiatry fellowship and I will be moving on to a board certified uh, child psychiatrist and serving um, particularly passionate to serve in this uh, Asian American population so like stay tuned like and I'm, I'm, I'm very delighted to stay connected with Talking Taiwan and many more. That's wonderful. So yeah, it's really kind of like a public service that you're providing because uh, people can just watch these videos and learn for themselves. And where can they um, watch these videos? It's all out there for free for people to um, look at on their own time and to perhaps uh, help themselves and to reflect on these things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm delighted to provide this service. Wonderful. And um, could you just say for the record, could you mention what is the chat together uh, website and the Facebook page in case people want to go there and check out the videos. So um, so chat together, uh, so that will be the website, www.facebook.com, chat together with us. Okay, wonderful. And you have a website as well? Uh, the website, yes. So that will be chat together.org. .org. Oh. Yes. 
Wonderful. Okay, thank you so much for making the time, taking the time out of your schedule to be on the Talking Taiwan podcast. Thank you. I'm delighted and honored to, to be here. Thank you so much for inviting. I've been speaking with Dr. Yunus Yuan, a child and adult psychiatrist who specializes in Asian American mental health, about Chat Together. To learn more about Dr. Yuan and Chat Together, visit their website, chattogether.org. That's C-H-A-T-O-G-E-T-H-E-R.org. And their Facebook page, facebook.com, C-H-A-T-O-G-E-T-H-E-R, with us. And their YouTube channel, where you'll be able to watch their roleplay videos. For links to items mentioned in this episode, such as mentalization and the three R's, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Talking Taiwan, please take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.